Did he manage to persuade you about the merits of the science on climate change? <laughs> now, what do you think is the answer to that question, Piers Morgan? Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. Man. I got the feeling that something ain't right. Never is. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Here I am. Yes, I'm stuck in the From middle Pacifica with you. Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA. Also in California in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI, Round Mountains, KKRN, Eureka's KGOE. In Oregon, on the Central Coast, on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, Eugene's KEPW. In Pennsylvania, in Lancaster, on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, Columbus, Ohio's WGRN. In Palinville, New York, on WLPP, Grand Rapids, WPRR. In New Orleans, on WHIV, Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN. In Fayetteville, Arkansas, on KPSQ, Seattle's KODX. In Goldendale, Washington, on KVGD, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis-St. Paul's AM950. KTNF. We also stream coast to coast and around the globe every day on the internets on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR, Revolution 99, Workforce Rising, Deprogrammed Radio, and Detour Talk, Blanketing Planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow. Says me from bradblog.com, trying to keep my own head from exploding. Never mind Desi Doyen's. <laughs> we'll get to that in a second. Oh, yeah. I, you know, I was sort of hoping, thank you for uh, tuning in today, by the way. I was hoping that with uh, Trump out of the country this week, I might be able to ignore him a little bit more. Uh, but nope, sorry. Turns out he still has stupid stuff to say, even overseas. That, uh, frankly, while I'd love to ignore it, and we often do just ignore the dumb stuff he says, this ca- this time I think we really shouldn't, uh, at least when it comes to climate. So I'm going to get to some of that in a quick moment here, which I suspect, Desiree, you may have a thought or two in response. Oh, just a little. We'll see. But uh, very quickly here, uh, speaking of the guy who we can't seem to stop talking about, uh, if only because... Uh, We have an unprecedented criminal presidency in our White House right now. And if, frankly, nothing is done about it, then what we are saying is that any president in the future can be equally as criminal, if not more so, because, you know, we're not going to bother to impeach. I mean, what the hell kind of crimes do you have to commit to be impeached anymore in this country? So on that front, uh, it's worth noting today that in a sudden change of heart, Former Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid now says Democrats should start an impeachment inquiry into President Donald Trump, according to a report in USA Today. Reid told the paper, uh, it's not the right thing to do nothing. It's not the right thing to jump into impeachment without doing an inquiry, though I don't believe anybody is calling for that. But he is uh, clearly now uh, warming up to an impeachment inquiry. 
Reid had previously warned Democrats against impeachment efforts. That's why this is so noteworthy here. He argued that in the past, I think this is back in April, that uh, Democrats could not, quote, afford the political risk, given that Senate Republicans was going to block impeachment anyway, so says the conventional wisdom. So back in April, Reid told NBC's Chuck Todd, quote, if you look at what happened following the impeachment of President Clinton, his popularity rose dramatically. Of course, Clinton was impeached over nonsense. Trump would be impeached over an endless list of actual crimes, uh, some of which actual conspirators of his, like Michael Cohen, his former lawyer, are already serving time in jail for, for a conspiracy that Donald Trump directed to uh, pay off women with whom he would, had uh, been having affairs just before the election and then to uh, send to to give cover up money to Michael Cohen to cover up for all of that once Donald Trump was in the White House. In any event, Reid cautioned back in April, uh, quote, we have just a short time until the next election. So he was worried that somehow this was going to help Donald Trump. But now, Reid says, it's pointless for Democrats to wait for support from Republicans who are, quote, going arm in arm with Trump right over the cliff, he said. According to Reid, Democrats should start the impeachment inquiry to find out how the public reacts and possibly sway its opinion in the process. Well, there's a neat idea, isn't it? Find out how it goes. Actually put all of this on television in front of the American people and see how they respond to it then, as impeachment has already been getting more and more popular, already almost a majority of Americans are in support. A spokesperson for Reid told USA Today on Tuesday that Reid had spoken with House Speaker Nancy Pelosi about his new position. Will that sway the House Speaker, who seems uh, to be the holdup right now when it comes to beginning an inquiry? Well, uh, we don't know. On Sunday, the third highest ranking Democrat in the House as majority whip, that would be Congressman James Clyburn, Democrat of South Carolina, appeared to come out in favor of an inquiry, sort of. In an interview on CNN, he was asked if he thought impeachment was inevitable. Clyburn said, that's exactly what I feel. Well, that's encouraging. But then after a meeting with Pelosi on Monday, according to Washington Post, when asked if he thought impeachment was inevitable, he said no. He said, I'm probably farther away from impeachment than anybody in our caucus. So that's kind of schizophrenic. But uh, however, the, the Dem leadership, wherever they are, however they seem to be wavering here, many committee chairs, including Jerry Nadler, chair of the Judiciary Committee, where an impeachment inquiry would in fact begin, are now going on record in support of an inquiry. Nadler said on Friday that there, quote, certainly is justification for one. So if uh, if the stop uh, if the Pelosi stop the impeachment dam uh, is getting any closer to finally breaking, we may be seeing uh, drips and dribbles as it starts to go. Uh, or maybe Pelosi's strategy is just an ingenious one to whip up support for impeachment while she appears to be against it. Either way. Uh, giving that Pelosi dam a little bit of a nudge this week are some 30 influential progressive Democratic supporting groups representing millions of Americans. They wrote a letter 
to Speaker Pelosi yesterday demanding that she do the right thing by opening an inquiry. We will have the chair from one of those groups who signed on to the letter, Charles Chamberlain of Democracy for America. We'll, he'll be here shortly to defend the case. But first, as much as I as I said, as much as I like to ignore most of the nonsense that Trump says, and we will let others cover most of it, uh, most of the nonsense he's uttering in the UK this week. But I feel like we do need to respond to at least something he said during an interview with Piers Morgan, formerly of CNN, now with Good Morning Britain. And uh, he's also a former buddy of Trump uh, who appeared on his reality show, The Apprentice. But uh, to start, before I play some of that, uh, it looks like we've got a bit of a broadcast exclusive here today. Uh, as we were able to obtain some exclusive audio from one of Trump's meetings with his Environmental Advisory Committee, which might help explain quite a bit about Donald Trump's position and knowledge about climate and our climate crisis. Here's a, a, a key section from Trump's top environmental advisor. I'm Woodsy Owl, and I'm here to tell you about a dirty word, pollution. Help Woodsy spread the word. Never be a dirty bird. In the city or in the woods. Keep America looking good. Yes. <laughs> oh, that brings Th back memories. There you go. There's your exclusive uh, environmental advisor, apparently for Donald Trump, because that really seems to be the extent of his understanding of climate change. It's all about pollution, air and water pollution. He does not consider carbon pollution, it seems, to be pollution, I guess, because you can't see it or you can't smell it. Uh, so uh, to him, we've got no problems with it in the U.S. The president uh, today left a 90 minute meeting. Actually, it was uh, yesterday with uh, with Prince Charles, the Prince of Wales, unconvinced that climate is actually warming, which it is, according to the overwhelming scientific consensus. In fact, the Earth's average surface temperature in 2018 was the fourth highest since record keeping began and the past five years have been the warmest in recorded history. But the president has other beliefs, as he explained to Piers Morgan during this uh, during a wide ranging conversation. Here's what he had to say about his meeting with Prince Charles on climate. I'll let you listen to part of this and then we'll mop up Desi's exploding head and get <laughs> some of her thoughts on this. Did he manage to persuade you? about the merits of the science on climate change? Well, we were going to have a 15-minute chat, and it turned out to be an hour and a half, and he did most of the talking, <laughs> and he is, he is really uh, into climate change, and I think that's great. I mean, I want that. I like that. Did you listen to him about it? I totally listened to him. What did he say to you about climate change? What he really wants and what he really feels warmly about is the future. Mm. He, he wants to make sure future generations have climate that is good climate as opposed to a disaster. And I agree. I did mention a couple of things. I did say, well, the United States right now has among the cleanest climates there are based on all statistics. And it's even getting better because I agree with that. I want the best water, the cleanest water. Crystal clean has to be crystal what, what clean. People want, air. You know what people want to hear from you about climate change right. is that you basically 
understand that almost every scientist that looks into this believes climate change is a very real and present danger. And if we don't tackle it now, and America has to lead the way along with China and India, yeah. then we're going to be in serious trouble. Do you accept that? Well, you know, you just said it. China, India, Russia, many other nations, they have not very good air, not very good water in the sense of pollution and cleanliness. If you go to certain cities, I'm not going to name cities, but I can. Mm. If you go to certain cities, you can't even breathe. And now that air is going up. So if we have a clean, in terms of a planet, we're talking about a very small, you know, very small distance between China and the U.S. or other countries. Sure, I think there's mutual responsibility. No, but, but do you personally believe in climate change? I believe that there's a change in weather, and I think it changes both ways. Don't forget, it used to be called global warming. That wasn't working. Then it was called climate change. Now it's actually called extreme weather. Mm. <laughs> because with extreme weather, you can't miss. Were you able to give Prince Charles any comfort that you as the United States president are taking this seriously? I think I was, yeah. I, I think we had a great conversation. And it was about, as you would call it, climate change. As you would call it, climate change. Desi Doyen, uh, but where do you... Where do you start? Oh, well, it's hard because it's just it's all bonkers and stupid and wrong. Um, obviously, Trump continues to conflate pollution, air and water pollution with climate change, which, you know, yeah, we all want to have clean air and water, except he's done a great deal to make sure that that does not actually happen. Um, you know, he claims that the United States, ha States has the cleanest air and water, and that is actually completely false. Since Trump has become president of the United States, the American Lung Association has said, oh, look, our pollution, our air pollution has actually gotten worse since Trump became president. And that's setting aside carbon pollution, right. as I understand it. That's just we're talking this about. This is the air pollution that kills people, yeah, that, that kills people with heart disease and strokes and lung disease and all of that. Uh, asthma uh, impacts, you know, all of that is something that he doesn't quite seem to be able to grasp. And I don't think he is teachable on that. And he doesn't seem to understand, however, the difference between that sort of pollution, soot and so forth in the air versus uh, carbon pollution, you know, he cites China, India, Russia. They have uh, not good air and water in terms of cleanliness and pollution. It is the woodsy owl school of pollution. Yeah, and I do want to clarify one thing. Uh, climate scientists have been saying climate change from the very start. It is in the U.N., Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change that the was established. IPCC. That was established back in 1988. So climate change is a descriptor of all of the entire suite of impacts from warming the planet with too much CO2. But it doesn't. Global warming doesn't cover things like ocean acidification. Um, so that's why climate change is a better descriptor that scientists use. What really happened is that Republicans tried to switch around the terms and then lied that it was scientists doing it. To in 2002, GOP pollster Frank Luntz wrote a memo telling Republicans to stop using global warming and instead use climate change because that might sound less scary to the public. That global warming sounded too scary, so instead call it climate change. Republicans exactly. should use climate this change. This was George W. Bush, uh, a memo, uh, that, and, and he adopted this. And so when Donald Trump says... Oh, it used to be called global warming, but that wasn't working, so they changed it to climate change. Right. It's nonsense. It's the actual opposite of what happened. It, it was Republicans who did that. There you yeah, go. Yeah, it's a lie. And any Republican who says that either is too stupid to know that or is directly lying about it. Which one is Donald Trump? 
I think he's both. <laughs> there you go. He also, you know, I, I don't think, you know, he understands this. I'll link to this article from uh, Philip Bump who says, uh, does Trump understand how global warming works? I don't think he does. He never talks about carbon. Philip Bump through went, you know, went through all of his uh, statements. He, he never talks about it. He talks about clean air and clean water. He talks about clean coal. The only time he he's mentioned carbon as president was when he was pulling out of the Paris Climate Accord, uh, which would have, yes, established standards to which all global actors, including China and Russia and India, as Trump was talking about there, would have had to agree. And they did agree. So. You know, it's unclear whether Trump understands how climate change actually works, because every time you ask him about it, he says, oh, I'm I'm worried about uh, climate change. We want the cleanest air and the cleanest water. And that is not carbon pollution. That's a separate issue. But, you know, cleaning up carbon pollution would also clean up air pollution and water pollution. And by the way, not just uh, pollution like soot and so forth has gotten worse, but carbon uh, pollution, in fact, has uh, carbon emissions have risen uh, since Trump has taken office yes. here in the U.S. as well. All right. So uh, mop up your uh, brains off the floor <laughs> from that one. Uh, we will uh, clean up the climate and we'll talk about cleaning up the White House next with Charles Chamberlain of Democracy for America. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your broadcast. <laughs> Hey, this is Brad. If you haven't noticed by now, it's no easy feat finding facts, real facts, not alternative facts, over your public airwaves. We try to bring you real facts, truth, and clarity without fear or favor each and every day on the broadcast. But we need your help to do it, and that help is needed more now than ever. Please stop by bradblog.com donate today. That's bradblog.com donate and thanks. They say the only way you can reach him is impeach him, impeach him, impeach him. But no, it's what they want. That's Randy Just Rainbow, of course. Thank you very much, sir. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from Bradblog.com. Well, last week, McClatchy reported that leading Democrats remain fearful that impeaching President Donald Trump will bolster his re-election campaign. But if Robert Mueller's brief unexpected statement last week, as uh, was that only last week? If that did anything, it clarified, McClatchy says, that a Democratic Party that does not embrace impeachment still faces a potentially sizable political risk, especially from core supporters demanding now more loudly than ever that the House try to remove Trump from office. There is a real danger if Democrats fail to have a to have message clarity and moral clarity when it comes to this, said Ezra Levin, co-founder of the influential progressive activist group Indivisible. There will be a real question of how they will ever motivate people to vote for them, says Levin. That warning, as McClatchy reports, was emblematic of the response to the former special counsel's remarks from progressive leaders around the country, many of whom have called for Trump's impeachment since 2017, but have increased their pressure on congressional Democrats to support it since the release of Mueller's report back in April, which documented multiple 
well-documented instances of Trump's obstruction of justice as he tried to shut down the special counsel probe by, among other things, instructing his White House counsel Don McGahn to have Robert Mueller fired and then to lie to the public about it. And when McGahn refused, Trump sought to have him create a fake memo for the file to claim that he didn't try to have Mueller removed from uh, from the job. That's just a few of the instances of criminal obstruction detailed by Mueller in his report. But the position of progressive groups is still at odds, at least for now, with many Democratic officials and strategists who say pursuing impeachment could alienate moderate voters who are skeptical of Trump but not yet ready to remove him from office. For months, they have contended that the risks of such an extraordinary procedure outweigh the rewards, especially given that a GOP-controlled Senate is certain to not convict the president. That's at least according to McClatchy. It's a position I'm not entirely sure about, though I realize that remains the conventional wisdom. That argument had uh, persuaded many Democrats to oppose impeachment proceedings, but Mueller's decision to reiterate his report's conclusions appeared to generate momentum for impeachment supporters, including now about 60 members of the House who are on record calling for the start of an impeachment inquiry. And a whole bunch of the Democratic 2020 presidential hopefuls are doing so as well. Well, on Tuesday, AP reports that progressive groups are expressing, quote, deep disappointment over House Democrats' unwillingness to start impeachment proceedings against Trump and are now calling on Speaker Nancy Pelosi to act. The group said in an open letter to the speaker released yesterday at WeCan'tWait.us that voters gave Democrats control of the House quote, because they wanted aggressive oversight of the Trump administration. Dear Speaker Pelosi, the uh, letter begins from the coalition of some 30 progressive groups, including uh, Credo, Indivisible, Climate Hawks Vote, The Courage Campaign and Democracy for America. They write, uh, they say, we write to express deep disappointment and concern over your refusal to use the full scope of your constitutional power to hold Trump accountable. We urge you to reconsider your position on this issue and immediately open an impeachment inquiry. Voters gave Democrats control of the House of Representatives because they wanted aggressive oversight. Yet your leadership is resulting in dangerous inaction that enables this racist and xenophobic president. Our families, friends, communities, country, and planet deserve a party that chooses people over politics, and that starts with your willingness to take bold, moral leadership. As Speaker of the House, you have the power to ensure Congress exercises its constitutional obligation to hold this president accountable, but instead of using your power, they write... You are giving us political excuses for why you shouldn't. Instead of leading, you and your colleagues have asked us to wait. Wait for the Mueller report. Wait for the unredacted Mueller report. Wait for Mueller's testimony about the Mueller report. Wait for more investigations. Wait for bipartisan consensus. Wait for impeachment to poll better. Or wait for the 2020 election. With 10 distinct episodes of obstruction of justice already clear from the Mueller report, 
violations of the emoluments clause happening on an almost daily basis and Trump's administration now defying subpoenas for both documents and testimony. Waiting, they write, is a privilege. But it's not a privilege available to the families separated by his deportation force or his Muslim ban or the asylum seekers languishing in Mexico or people threatened by his embrace of white supremacy or the LGBTQ people whose rights he is taking away or the women whose bodies he is trying to control or the communities threatened by his denial of the climate crisis which is, of course, now just about every community on the planet at this point. They write, you have stated that we are facing a constitutional crisis, but the remedy for a constitutional crisis is not traditional oversight. The framers placed the impeachment power in the Constitution precisely for the purpose of confronting a lawless president like Trump. There's still a chance to turn things around, they write. Your leadership can position the House to be the body that exposes the corruption and moral abhorrence of the Trump White House, proves that no president is above the law, and persuades most Americans that this president must be removed from office. They conclude, in the very near future, the Trump era will be one that evokes the question, what did you do? We urge you to use your power to lead and to stop asking us to wait. That from the coalition of about 30 groups, uh, progressive groups calling on uh, Speaker Pelosi to take action. Joining us now to discuss this letter and uh, what some are describing as the dam very slowly breaking in favor of impeachment. At least it's beginning to to leak at a more rapid pace each day. Uh, joining us is Charles Chamberlain. He's the chair of Democracy for America, who took over that role from our old friend Jim Dean earlier this year after uh, Charles served as DFA's executive director, expanding the group's advocacy into a number of issues and campaigns. Democracy for America is a member-driven, people-powered political action committee that focuses on electing progressive candidates and educating the public about progressive policies. Charles Chamberlain, welcome to the broadcast, sir. Thanks for having me on. Glad uh, to be here. Uh, g- glad to have you. Uh, first, uh, any response yet from the uh, from the speaker to your letter? Uh, we have not had a direct response, no, uh, although I understand that... Uh, uh, we're having a coalition meeting with her shortly, in fact, maybe even this afternoon, so mm. there may be a response soon. Uh, that said, uh, you know, there's both the public side of what we're trying to do, which in, and the reason why we went out with a public letter is to cut public pressure is often key to getting uh, real action to happen. Uh, but the best scenario is when we can do both, an inside-outside strategy where we have public pressure and we have private pressure coming in from uh, from other angles. So. Uh, you know, definitely, uh, you know, uh, Speaker Pelosi is obviously in constant contact with the members of Congress uh, that are on our side and that are uh, fully pushing for this uh, as well. So lots of comments uh, and lots of pressure being applied in lots of different directions. Now, we, too, have, of course, been joining your call to begin an official uh, impeachment inquiry of this president, not to mention, by the way, a number of his cabinet members as well and his attorney general (laughs) and so forth. Uh, It has been maddeningly slow uh, the way that uh, Speaker Pelosi is moving forward and and uh, seemingly blocking many of her own members, including the uh, bunch of uh, committee chairs, including the head of the Judiciary Committee, Jerry Nadler. He's reportedly in favor of an inquiry. But I'd love to discuss some of her objections. And you named in your letter just a few of them. 
but I want to get your responses to them. She did ask us to wait for the Mueller report and then the unredacted Mueller report, which we have not yet received, and the Mueller testimony, which we have not yet received. Uh, don't know if we ever will or not. But isn't all of that necessary before moving ahead with impeachment so that we can understand really the full extent of, uh, of, of what Trump needs to be impeached for? Well, first of all, uh, the full extent of what Trump potentially needs to be impeached for uh, goes long and beyond uh, the Mueller report. The Mueller report had very limited scope. Uh, it was investigating uh, purely uh, the coalition, uh, the, uh, I'm sorry, the, um, the coalition, yeah, basically. Uh, all the work done between the, the campaign itself, the mm-hmm. Trump campaign itself, and Russia, uh, that was its limited scope, along with whether or not the president obstructed that investigation. Uh, it didn't go into many other areas which fit under the uh, high crimes and misdemeanors. I mean, you know, from profiting off of the presidency, which is part of the emoluments clause, mm-hmm. uh, to things like telling his appointees to break the law and then he'll pardon them. Uh, that is another question, uh, potentially uh, uh, violating rules with high security clearances. Uh, uh, um, that needs to be looked into. Uh, and then let's not forget, there are campaign finance violations uh, that, you know, Cohen is mm-hmm. in jail for right now that uh, the president was directly indicated in. Uh, you know, Mueller was clear. There's one thing that was in Mueller's report that he was very clear about. He was clear about the idea that there is no criminal way for us to hold this president accountable. We can't indict the president. Um, but there is a, a, a policy. There is a public way. There is. A, a, a way outlined in the Constitution, and that's impeachment, uh, and that can cover the issues, even as it says in the Mueller, Mueller report, that goes beyond the Mueller report into those issues that I just mentioned. So uh, waiting for Mueller to testify, uh, uh, waiting for the unredacted report uh, is ridiculous. Uh, there's no reason why an impeachment proceedings, which involves all the investigations, which gives Congress the utmost power to continue and go deeper into the areas that are outlined in the Mueller report, but also gives them the ability to go into all the other areas that are critically important to look at with this incredibly criminal president. By the way, you mentioned uh, the fact that Mueller uh, was was following the DOJ guidelines that says a sitting president cannot be indicted. Boy, would I like to see the House Judiciary Committee. Maybe you guys uh, could consider uh, a letter uh, to, to Nadler on that. They should have a hearing on whether a sitting president can be indicted. I find nothing in the Constitution that says a pres- uh, president cannot be indicted. But that's for another day, and, and thanks for mentioning... Mean, that is a... Yeah, go ahead. I mean, that is a really great question that, that does feel like it's something that needs to be uh, asked and decided uh, by a court, not decided by a DOJ, which is always going to be uh, predisposed to defend a president a little bit more uh, than any other uh, branch of government because they're part of the presidential branch. So, of course, they're going to make a decision like a president can't be indicted. Uh, I definitely think it's a, a very interesting legal question that would be great to have answered someday. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's no law, there's no statute about it, there's nothing right. in the Constitution. Right. As a matter of fact, the Constitution has the 25th Amendment that would allow a president, you know, if a president can can uh, be impeached and face a trial in the Senate, uh, you know, while in office, I don't understand why he couldn't be indicted and the 25th right. Amendment of invoked if he was too busy uh, in, in court. In any event, 
moment, back to Pelosi for the moment. We'll get to that another day, I'm sure. Uh, but Pelosi is not, as far as I can tell, she's not holding back or or tamping down any of the many congressional investigations that are going on. Those inquiries do seem to be yielding more and more information and exposing more and more corruption each day. Isn't that essentially the same as an impeachment inquiry, if if not by that official name? What What's wrong with that approach? Well, so that's an interesting point you're making, right, and, and that she's trying to make, but it's a distinction without definition. Uh, to the extent that there could be any truth behind the, her, her other argument, the idea that there would be a backlash that just motivates uh, Republicans or, or so-called moderate Republicans uh, to suddenly come out against Democrats because of impeachment, uh, why wouldn't these investigations do that, especially if the argument being made is, oh, the investigations are the same as impeachment? Uh, so, I mean, it's kind of a, it's a flawed uh, circular argument, a snake eating its own tail, uh, to suggest that we should be, uh, well, we could do the investigations without calling it impeachment. Uh, that's just silly, and it seems like it has no backbone. Uh, the reality is, is that Americans need to see Democrats stand up for something, stand up with moral fortitude in believing of what they're standing for. And to be like, nudge, nudge, wink, wink, here's the investigations, but we're not calling it impeachment, that's not standing with authority. That's not actually standing up for what you believe in. Uh, that's making a political calculation uh, that, um, that and, and, and really, let's be honest, how often do political calculations really get rewarded by the public? The public is way more likely to vote for someone they even disagree with um, because they know where they stand and because they believe they have the moral fortitude than they are to vote with somebody that they think they might agree with, but they just aren't sure because they don't have the guts to say it out loud. So the bottom line, if investigations are the same as impeachment, and then that's the argument, well, then why not do impeachment? Uh, the second half of that is we all know that they aren't actually the same because the end game to impeachment is on the record uh, uh, positioning by uh, at least the House to say this president should be removed. That's not the outcome of investigations. The outcome of investigations is, okay, we found he did wrongdoing. So th there's a big difference between mm. saying, hey, we think he did wrongdoing at the end of investigations or having a House vote that gets every single person on record as to whether or not this is a criminal president who deserves to be removed from office. How many times has that happened in our history? Not very many. And ne never, uh, never has uh, uh, the, the U.S. Senate actually voted to remove a president. Well, that's the Senate. I'm saying even on the House side, even just, uh, just you know, hmm. completing the impeachment proceedings on the House side, that's only happened twice, right, uh, in, in our history. And if there's one president that, that this should happen to, it should be the Trump administration, the most criminal, corrupt presidency we've ever had. And then you're right. We've the, the, that would go to probably what one of your next arguments is. Oh well, the House shouldn't bother because the Senate won't convict. Uh, well, the Senate's never convicted. Uh, that's irrelevant. Uh, this is about what the House should do, not about what the Senate should do. And we don't know what the Senate's going to do. Mm -hmm. When Nixon, when the when impeachment proceedings started against uh, Richard Nixon, there were no Republicans that were on the side of Democrats to do that. They came onto our side as uh, as the impeachment proceedings uh, went through the process of a, of a showing America how corrupt and wh how wrong Nixon was and how he should be removed. And because of that. Then Nixon eventually resigned. How many times did we all think no chance was Nixon going to resign? Uh, that's history for you, and we have no way of knowing whether or not that might happen again. In yep. fact, there's a good shot it would happen again when you do see, even right now, with all this him and the hawing about what to happen, 
we do actually have a Republican already on board calling for impeachment. So there's the bipartisan support. Yeah, that's Justin Amash, who, by the way, I've said uh, many times here, I think would be an excellent House manager in any impeachment of Donald Trump, frankly. Um, and, and, and thanks for uh, speaking to that conventional wisdom, because it kind of drives me crazy that, oh, well, sure, we should impeach because it's the right thing to do, but there's no way that the U.S. Senate would ever convict. I am not so sure about that. If these uh, things are, are are put forward, we've been playing this clip. Look at how many of those. Look at how many of those Republicans in the Senate are up for re-election this cycle. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think that uh, Cory Gardner in Colorado is going to want to uh, uh, vote in support of Donald Trump right before this election? Do you think Martha McSally is going to want to do that in Arizona? Uh, is Susan Collins going to want to do that in Maine? Uh, there are all sorts of, of Republican senators who we could be wedging and putting them on defense on this issue. And let's be clear, if there's one thing that helps people win politically, talk about political calculation, it's whenever you have the other side on defense. When you're on offense, you're almost always winning. It's something that Republicans are experts at. It's something that Donald Trump is expert at. Uh, And the more we can do it, the more likely we're going to win in 2020. So frankly, I would argue the House wedging the Senate on whether or not it's going to uh, actually remove the president that's not a recipe for disaster. That's actually a recipe for victory for us in November. Yeah, and we've been playing this. Uh, we've been playing this clip. You probably have seen it, Charles uh, Chamberlain from uh, NBC. Uh, this woman, this Trump supporter, who's still a, a Trump supporter, but she showed up at a Justin Amash. Uh, town hall last week where uh, Justin Amash, the very conservative Republican, has been the only one making the case. And by the way, making the case uh, much clearer and much better and much louder than any Democrat I have heard in the House, unfortunately. But uh, she went to Justin Amash's town hall and she spoke with NBC afterwards. And and here's what she what what she said. I was surprised to hear there was anything negative in the Mueller report at all about President Trump. I hadn't heard that before, and I mainly listened to um, conservative news, and I hadn't heard anything um, negative about that report, and President Trump had been exonerated. Charles, she thought the uh, Mueller report totally exonerated Donald Trump. She didn't know there was anything negative in it. Isn't that alone reason to begin an impeachment inquiry so that maybe this information will somehow get to Fox News uh, viewers like uh, Kathy Garnett? Yeah, I mean, that, what a statement about Fox News and the power of Fox News to hear somebody say that and, and earnestly say it and, and uh, mean it. I mean, I, I don't think that yeah. she's, she doesn't know how embarrassed she should be to, to make a statement like that. Uh, and, you know, I can't blame her. If you're only watching Fox News, it's quite possible to uh, not know what's going on and to have a uh, twisted view of the reality we're living in. Uh, and, look, I'm not going to promise that if we start impeachment proceedings, we're going to get through to people like her because there's every possibility that Fox News will continue to act like there's nothing uh, going on here. Uh, don't look behind the curtain. Uh, but the reality is, is that I, she is not an average American. Uh, she's probably not even the average American that's watching Fox News. Uh, and the more that we are talking about this and the more that we are exposing uh, the issues that are, that are put here, uh, that are put forward here, uh, the better. And, and one thing about impeachment is that you can bet the media spectacle of that will be big. Mm-hmm. Uh, the coverage will be deep. Uh, and it will be even harder to miss uh, the many, many things that this incredibly illegal president has done. Uh, and again, many of those things go beyond the Mueller report. 
uh, and and uh, they could be exposed in proper impeachment. Got- I, most people are not fans of the idea that the president can make money off of being the president, uh, at least not while they're in office. Uh, and uh, we've got a president who who's not put his his properties and his and his businesses behind an actual blind trust, like all presidents in the past have done. And who we can see right now that there are foreign governments from uh, China and Russia to Saudi Arabia to you name it that are going to Trump hotels uh, specifically to make it clear, hey, we're going to your hotel uh, um, uh, mm-hmm. so you can make money. Look, uh, so uh, these are the kinds of things we need to investigate uh, that go beyond the Mueller report uh, and that the public would see if we started an impeachment proceeding. Charles, I've got uh, just a few minutes left here, but I want to see how many of these, because uh, there have been a lot of excuses coming from Pelosi uh, about why not to move forward. Let me see if I can uh, fly through a few of these and get your quick response. Yeah, we'll, we'll try. Uh, you mentioned average voters uh, and what they know and what they don't. Well, uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, swing district Democrats, new House members who won in uh, in uh, November of 2018 in Trump districts last year who uh, the Democrats are arguing could be endangered if there is uh, an impeachment inquiry somehow. There's about 20 of them. And uh, the chair of the DCCC, the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee, Sherry Bustos, says, uh, according to The Washington Post today, that in states like Iowa and Kansas, in districts that voted for Trump, Impeachment seems like a distraction rather than a moral imperative. She appears to be as much against uh, the idea of an impeachment as uh, as Pelosi. What about the idea of these average voters who would be swayed to somehow vote against Democrats or in favor of Trump in 2020 if uh, there's if it's all about impeachment over the next year? I think the biggest question we have to ask ourselves is who thinks that Republicans aren't already going to be energized and engaged at the highest level possible at the end of this election? I mean, this is Trump's specialty. This is what he is super good at, is getting his base riled up, engaged, active, scared, angry, fearful, doing what they need to do to show up. And in fact, the Republican coalition to win elections uh, requires that because they actually have a smaller and smaller part of the electorate. And so they have to work hard to keep everybody together to have any shot of winning. And so they do, and they do it over and over again. I am much more concerned and much more on the page with Ezra from Indivisible than I am with Bustos from the DCCC when I, with, with the concern that it's our base we need to be worried about. If Democrats don't follow through on what they were sent to do to, in, in 2018, then we have a high chance of them staying home. Let's remember, Michigan was lost by less than 100,000 votes. Out of the 100,000 votes that we lost, you know that a million people sat home that voted for Democrats in Michigan in 2012, but then didn't in 2016? And that's because we didn't stand for something. We didn't stand for a real bold vision, a bold vision for America, not because we stepped back and we said, uh, well, you know, we don't want to be too tough. So, uh, so I mean, so that's what we need to be thinking about here. So, look, in these so-called swing districts that we're so worried about, there's no reason why these candidates have to make uh, impeachment the centerpiece of their campaign. In fact, probably nobody should, because what Americans want to see is they want to see a party that's willing to stand up to and is against Trump, but they really want to see a vision for America that includes bold ideas like Medicare for All, Green New Deal, uh, you know, uh, voting reform, uh, you name it, actual ideas that make sense 
and will put money back in the pockets of the average American. One more thing on that. Yeah. As good example is I'm currently living in Orange County, uh, which recently flipped from lifelong Republican districts to being Democratic districts in 2018. And mm-hmm. some of these candidates are centrist. Some of these candidates are on that DCCC list. And you know what? Harley Ruta, for example, you know, he didn't run. Uh, he ran on Medicare for all. He didn't mm-hmm. walk away from Democratic positions. He ran on Medicare for all to win that seat uh, because that's what motivates base voters to get out and vote, the actual voters we need to win. Uh, and so if we want to win, we got to do real things, and impeachment's one of them. Does Donald Trump want to be impeached as uh, Pelosi? I don't know if she said it outright, but that's she seems to indicate that, that, that somehow he wants that. Do, do you get the sense that he wants to be impeached? I mean, I highly, look, I, that, that's a weird question, because, I mean, what does Donald Trump want? I mean, who knows? I don't think Donald <laughs> Trump knows what he wants. I think, I think there's part of Donald Trump that definitely doesn't want to be one of only a couple presidents to have been impeached. Uh, he wants to be the greatest president in history, and he wants that to be his legacy, right? That's, that's what he wants. On the other hand, Donald Trump definitely wants to be a martyr. Uh, you know, he definitely likes the idea of, of being a one-of-a-kind original, and so yeah, maybe he does want to be impeached. You know, you can bet that when he's out of office, uh, you know, when we finally kick him out, which, God forbid, hopefully it's going to be in 2020, but God forbid it's 2024, eventually he's going to have to leave office. You can bet the very next day when he's going to start his, his next uh, uh, highly profitable uh, media adventure so that he can run that into bankruptcy, uh, he will launch it under, oh, I was beaten up, everybody was so mean to me, I'm the rebel, uh, and that's going to happen regardless. So mm-hmm. who gives a uh, frankly, who gives a crap what Donald Trump wants? Uh, if he wants impeachment uh, or doesn't want it, it doesn't matter. That's irrelevant. It's what the American people want, and it's what we need to do to protect our Constitution and to send a serious message to the American people about what it is Democrats stand for. By the way, I don't think Trump wants impeachment at all. I think he is scared to death of it. And that's, of course, I I think a reason why they should that's bring in it. That's the Mueller report. Frankly. Yeah. Right. I mean, the Mueller yeah. report includes that line from him, right, where he says, oh, I'm screwed or whatever. Uh, yeah, you can't, you can't say it on air. But, yeah, I know yeah. what you're talking yeah. about. Did uh, How about the uh, argument offered by many, uh, I think from Pelosi herself, but from, like, James Comey and others, that impeachment lets him off too easy, that voters should be the one to remove him from office. What about that? Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Every president in history uh, has been uh, decided by voters. Uh, uh, that doesn't let him off easy. That just uses the normal pro- the normal process. Uh, there's a much, much worse stain on your historical record uh, if you get th- get an impeachment uh, from the House, and even better if you actually get thrown out by the Senate, uh, that uh, th- the historical point behind that is huge uh, and and has a, a, a monumental impact. Um, but on top of that, without impeachment, we might not win 2020. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, you know, there's all this procrastination about, uh, oh well, if we do impeachment, we might we might not win 2020. Well, without it, we might not win. And, and so then you have to ask yourself if you're willing to consider the fact that either political gaming out of this could go either way, then, then forget about the political gamemanship and instead just do what's right. And what's right under the Constitution is to get rid of and kick out the most corrupt corporate criminal president we've ever had is impeachment inevitable at this point charles chamberlain it's beginning to feel like it is i think it is am i wrong 
Uh, well, to, from your lips to uh, Pelosi's <laughs> ears, I hope you're right. Uh, uh, I hope it's inevitable. It feels like it should be. Uh, it certainly is clear to me. I mean, uh, uh, we certainly what we're asking for is an inquiry to start. Uh, um, but it sure feels like uh, you could start it on Thursday and you could vote on Friday because it sure is obvious that this president is guilty. Uh, so I, I hope it's inevitable. I hope it's going to happen. Uh, I believe uh, elected uh, officials follow us rather than vice versa. I think that if we yeah. make enough noise, I think they start paying attention. What do you see, Charles, last question here, as the best way for listeners at this point uh, to take action uh, as you see it if they, uh, if they agree we should move forward with an inquiry? Well, I think that's right. I think that it absolutely is always about people power. Uh, that's what everything comes down to. The more uh, the people call for stuff, the, the more it happens, uh, the, 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 the more that we move ideas that are considered dumb or, com- or the conventional wisdom in D.C. is uh, opposed to uh, the more the American public actually pushes it, the, the more likely we win. So the answer to that question is don't stop talking about it and don't fall for the insider line. Don't give air to the arguments that, oh, I'm afraid that it's going to cost us a 2020 election. Instead, listen to the arguments that I've made here today that others are making uh, and make those arguments yourself with your friends and family. It's amazing how many Democrats across this country listen to D.C. Beltway conventional wisdom and they let it impact what they know in their heart is right. Mm. Uh, You know, uh, 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 this is a whole other topic, but another concept is I hear people say stuff like, uh, you know, I support Warren or I support Bernie, but uh, I think people in Philadelphia might vote, vote for Biden. Don't don't play that kind of gamesmanship with your vote, with your thinking. Instead, stand for what you believe in. So talk to your friends and family, make it clear to them uh, what the reasons are for impeachment and keep advocating for it. And then, of course, anytime you see an elected leader, whether it's uh, through uh, emailing them or it's calling them or it's showing up at their office or showing up at their event, make sure you tell them that you want to see impeachment happen. You can reach your member of Congress by calling 202-224-3121. That's 202-224-3121. I know that it has made a difference in a number of members uh, as the phone calls have changed, uh, members who were against impeachment, and now they're saying, well, now I'm, uh, you know, three, four to one in favor of impeachment. Even Harry Reid Former uh, Senate leader, uh, Democratic Senate leader, uh, was against impeachment, now is reportedly in favor of it and has told Nancy Pelosi as much. Uh, So, yeah, keep up the noise. Uh, Charles, I had hoped to talk to you about some 2020 Democratic presidential stuff. That's going to have to wait for another day. But I hope you will join us again to raise some hell on that matter. Uh, Until then, you can find uh, uh, Democracy for America at democracyforamerica.com. You can follow them on the Twitters at DFA Action. And you can add your name to their letter uh, with the uh, 30 other or so groups uh, by uh, going to wecantwait.us to sign that letter to Nancy Pelosi. Charles Chamberlain, really appreciate you joining us today on the broadcast, sir. Thanks so much for having me on. Had a great time. Happy to come back anytime. Thank you, brother. We'll take you up on it. Okay, quick break, and we're back with uh, some news out of Texas. A story we've been uh, covering now for a few weeks concerning this uh, phony voter roll purge list that the Secretary of State there put out, claiming there was 100,000 non-citizens on the voter rolls. Uh, Well, we we already know that was untrue. Uh, But now it looks like 
the governor was involved in that list, Texas Governor Greg Abbott. That story is next on the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman. What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter, and we do it all independently without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. The eyes of Texas are upon you all the live long day. Well, they should be. The eyes of Texas are Welcome back. It's the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from, Brad, from bradblog.com. Uh, we'll see if Governor Greg Abbott uh, gets away with this. But Texas Governor Greg Abbott last year pushed to gather the data used to create a notoriously erroneous list of alleged non-citizen voters in Texas, according to internal uh, government emails that have now been made public. Abbott's office requested that a Texas agency collect data used for the attempted voter roll purge just days after a Tea Party group held a press conference calling on him to do so, according to the agency's emails. The emails, which were posted by the Campaign Legal Center, one of the groups involved in the lawsuits over this list, were uh, communications between the Texas Department of Public Safety, or DPS, and the Secretary of State's office concerning the agency's work on this effort. So the emails show that as early as March of 2018, uh, long before this list came to light, uh, March 2018, the Secretary of State's office was seeking driver's license data from DPS that they believed could be run against voter rolls to identify illegally registered non-citizens. That methodology, methodology which Texas claimed showed some 100,000 non-citizens were on the voting rolls, ultimately led to thousands of false positives, duplicate records, and so forth. When they released this list in January of, uh, of this year, the then Secretary of State, who has now been forced to resign, David Whitley, said that there were 100,000 non-citizens on the voting rolls and that some 58,000 of them had cast illegal votes. Going back to 1996, as it turns out, the list was full of errors. Uh, these people who were claimed to be non-citizens actually were citizens. They had been naturalized over that period and so forth. And now Texas has been forced to settle a whole bunch of lawsuits, pay for the uh, for the plaintiffs uh, uh, legal fees and so forth. And the secretary of state, David Whitley, who was appointed by Governor Abbott, has had to resign. I should note that David Whitley resigned just like a week or so ago because he could not get approval from the state Senate. Uh, to to remain in that position because all the Democrats there held together and did not vote to confirm Whitley's nomination, even though Whitley had already been serving for uh, the past year or so under Greg Abbott's nomination. So Whitley had to go, uh, but not before he had given this list 
to the Attorney General, Ken Paxton, who said, oh, we're going to uh, bring criminal charges against all of these people. And they Not- broadcast it across Twitter and all social media so that you've got a lot of right-wingers yep. who falsely believe that this list was real when it was not. D- uh, Donald Trump repeated it, said, I see, I told you there are thousands, hundreds of thousands of illegal aliens who are voting. They're not. Uh, David Whitley actually sent a list to all of the Texas counties telling them to send letters to all of these people, telling them that they had to prove they were citizens or they would be removed from the rolls in 30 days. So uh, Whitley caught hell for this, had to quit. Paxton caught hell for it. Not that he cares. He's also under uh, uh, indictment for felonies, but he's still serving as the state's top legal official. In any event, now we have emails showing that the governor was in on this. Uh, He was invoked uh, at least twice in the emails that were released this week on August 27, 2018. A DPS official told another DPS official that, quote, the governor is interested in getting this information as soon as possible. A little later that day, another DPS official described that the uh, rerunning this data to create this list was, quote, a, a, quote, urgent request from the governor's office. One of the emails says, is this a process that can be executed easily? Can we do it today? They were desperate to try to get this information out. They were trying to come up with this list, and the governor desperately, was as fast as possible, desperately before the 2018 election. Yep. And so, as I said, David Whitley is out. And by the way, David Whitley, who was uh, named by Abbott to be this, the top election official in the state. He had apparently no election experience. He was an aide of Governor Abbott's, helping him get in and out of a car. Abbott uh, is in a wheelchair. And uh, so there will be more on this story, at least I hope to come, showing that the governor was behind this uh, scheme to falsely purge tens of thousands of uh, legal registered voters from the voting rolls in the state of Texas. But what would you expect? It's Texas. All right, that's it. Thanks for joining us today. My thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, to my guest, Charles Chamberlain of Democracy for America, and to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. You can uh, download this or any other show that we've ever done for free at bradblog.com. If you missed any of them, shame on you. You can also drop me email. I am bradcast at bradblog.com on the Facebooks and the Twitters. You'll find me at The Brad Blog. And, of course, my thanks to those of you who keep us going every single day by stopping by bradblog.com slash donate to help us stay on your public airwaves. That's it. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.